0: Okay, good uh, morning, good afternoon. It's, I guess it's afternoon on a Tuesday. This is Grant with Five Peaks Podcast. Once again, I have today the great benefit and pleasure to do the first podcast with hopefully what will be a regular co-host on the show, uh, Shara Fairman.
1: Hi, hi.
0: Shara is a, currently she is a registered nurse. She's also a critical care nurse, has much experience as an acute care nurse working in ICUs of various sorts. She's also going through a master's program to become a nurse practitioner, while at the same time going through a very intense functional health medicine course to learn all about that. So without further ado um welcome to the show
1: thank you so what grant decided not to include was the fact that (laughs) he's actually my husband and um so grant and i have been working consistently together on what we like to call the five-year plan we've pushed that off a little bit due to you know familial things as in life (laughs) yes and three kids um but those things are okay. It's nice to have a plan. And what Grant didn't really mention was the fact that we're in the process of forming a wellness collective together. So these are the infant stages um, where I'm going through functional medicine and he is going through his own course. And we will talk about that a little Mm -hmm. bit later. And um, it's, it's a new process. It's something that I never was schooled in. In school uh, through nurse practitioner school through nursing school I actually have an associate's degree with physical therapy Um, and in all those schoolings I never really was exposed to a lot of the things that I'm learning right now with functional medicine and it's given me uh, I'm really inspired I'm I'm excited about what we can do where we're gonna go with this and how many people uh, we're going to treat and change their lives. So, that
0: sounds fantastic.
1: I'm excited.
0: So, what was it about conventional medicine versus functional medicine? What, what was it that burned you out about conventional medicine?
1: Well, so I've been a nurse for, I guess, let's see, I think I graduated towards the end of 2014. It's now 2021. I have taken some time off um, for family and school. It's just a bit rough trying to do it all, and that's okay. We all have <laughs> to accept the fact that like we can't all do it all at the same time, but
0: right,
1: um, Understanding
0: why... where your boundaries are and where, where your limitations are is extremely important for overall success, because otherwise, if you try to do everything- You're going to do a lot of things, maybe mediocre, instead of really focusing and doing those few things very well.
1: Uh, That (laughs) is an absolute perfect way of putting it. So when I was in ICU, um, I really entered into the world where um, it it was a bit of the eat your young mentality. Um, I was intimidated starting off fresh. I definitely started ICU without um, a lot of ICU training in school, in conventional school. And that was fine because, you know, as every school says, like, we could only teach you so much. But... Mm
0: -hmm. um, ICU, just to clarify. Sorry. Intensive Intensive
1: care unit. I apologize. Yes. Um, This is in a hospital setting. Yes. This is
0: the people that are... Um, what like had like heart attacks, have like open heart surgery, yes, have other yes. other serious ailments that they're on the sort of the brink of, maybe passing away or, right. or whatever, right? It's the most serious cases,
1: right? And uh, I did that for two years. Um, you and I met each other in the middle of my two-year stint there, and then we ended up moving. I worked for a uh, a step-down unit from an ICU unit. Um, and then thereafter, I went back to ICU, a surgical ICU. Um, the environment is very high tempo, very high paced. Um, you know, you see a lot of really sad and terrible things. And after a while, I mean, for me, at least, I'm I'm a sensitive soul. I, I, I would like to say, <laughs> I, you, you know, care. I, which I, is do...
0: which is exactly what you would want in someone that's, you know, providing your health care, you know, ensuring that you stay alive is someone that actually cares that that happens
1: while true i do think that i stepped on my toes a lot um it it's a common theme i would say that seeing like icu nurses become a little bit more desensitized i mean we're mm. around all that stuff a lot you do get slightly numb to seeing terrible things um I guess I was you know, shifted around so much. And then after having kids, I just appreciated life and longevity and just overall health benefits so much more. I had more of a reason to live. Hmm. And um, because of that, I was introduced from a friend of mine from high school, actually, to functional medicine. I was always seeking something more, something different from conventional medicine, but I didn't know what to do at that point? I've been through so much schooling, and for those of you who don't know me so so intimately and personally, I um, I actually started my first bachelor's program. This was, I think, the last time I've really been on the microphone was like 2003, <laughs> um, and I was going through communication school, and I was going to mm-hmm. do um, radio, TV, or film somewhere in that general gist and region, but I knew that caring for people was really the right move. And I, again, like having direction was difficult for me. So I went from physical therapy, I wanted something more, and then I went into nursing with the idea that I was going to get a master's or a doctorate in something. Um, But, you know, getting experience. So this has been a long haul for me.
0: I mean, that's okay. That's, it's one of those things that I've found Um, And talking to people and when I, you know, I read a lot, I listen to a lot of books, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to a lot of this idea of, you know, how do we find our purpose? How do we find our direction? And for a lot of people, like this doesn't happen until you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s for some people. I was listening to uh, Tim Ferriss' tribe of mentors just last night. Um, on the way home from work and there was a gentleman on this in this book i forget what his name is Uh, but he he was a writer he was very successful he was like 70 or 75 He was 75 i believe and the question was asked you know what what uh guidance or what sort of suggestion would you give to someone that's starting out in the world and it was like his Thing was like go out into the world and go do something. Go out and sort of like experience the real world, experience the mud of the world, and and get all of that because you have time. You know, go join the army, go whatever, work on a a cruise ship somewhere, do whatever. Get out there, have a bunch of crappy jobs, (laughs) do all that because you're gonna have time. And then once, as you mature and as you sort of come into your own. The path you will find your path through all of that because you've been down so many different lanes, and I really uh, I feel yes. like that strikes true, certainly for me. And it sounds like it strikes true for you, some as, as I see you nodding your head and smiling. <laughs> that you know, you've done all of these things, but that's cool because it's given you a lot of experience and it's given you um, exposure to not only the things that you want to do and it helps you find your path, but also maybe that you don't want to do.
1: I do think that. Um, So my senior year of my first bachelor's program when I was in radio, TV, film, my last semester of my senior year, talking about like last minute, but I was like, I have to study abroad. So I went to England. I lived there for three uh, months, way too short. But while I was there... I had never really come across the idea of what a gap year was. That was my first exposure to people who were like, oh, because I was like, well, you know, our ages are a little bit different of where we are in school. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of a common theme that we do a gap year. You just kind of go out into the world, figure out what you want to do. Mm -hmm. I know when I was 18 years old, so many of my friends were going off to college that I was just dead set. Like, I don't want to be behind. And you (laughs) don't really realize it's like, well, you're 18 years old. Like, you're not behind. Like take your time, figure it out. I wish I did more of that. I really do. Um, It probably would have given me a better insight or, you know, if I had an idea of what I wanted to do, let me go do like an internship with somebody just Mm. or like a shadowing. Sure. Those are all those things that like I discovered afterwards that, you know, personally was never presented to me. I, you know, I don't have medical family. Um, This was all like, me sort of diving in and figuring it out on my own. Um thankfully I did find the right path. Doing the nurse practitioner program through Georgetown right now, it's it's incredible.
0: Shout out to Georgetown.
1: Yeah, shout out to Georgetown. <laughs> um going
0: to those elite schools. <laughs> I mean,
1: you know, they there's a reason why they have like a hundred percent pass rate. They mm. they drill you in the end and you you pass your boards and you have a successful Hopefully a successful future ahead, you know, that's totally up to you. But I just felt like there was something more. And so unfortunately, like uh, people who know me are just like, you're done with school, right? Like you're a professional <laughs> student at this point. And I'm like, yeah, so I just discovered functional medicine. I
0: call it being a lifelong learner. Okay? <laughs> like it's not, let's not, let's not put labels on this. But if we're going to do that, let's, it's a lifelong learner. You should never stop learning. I Doesn't do. Doesn't mean you have to pay absorbent <laughs> oh, no. amounts of money for <laughs> pieces of paper, but you should never stop learning. I
1: do have like a wall of degrees. It's it's semi embarrassing, and then all the uh, all the certifications that <laughs> go along with it. I actually stopped framing them. They're all in binders <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
0: be, I mean, once you know once. You have your own practice and, and all of this, and we get done, and there's the Wellness Collective. Your office is just going to be... I'm just going to have... The whole them. back wall <laughs> is just nothing but degrees and certifications. It's my feature certif- wall. Yeah, there you yeah, go, right. Some people put up old Barnwood. Cheryl puts up degrees and certifications.
1: <laughs> um, But, you know, it. I, I'm i already a year in. Um, This is my second year of school now uh, through the acute care nurse practitioner track, and I discovered... Functional medicine, almost like, what was it? Like, I don't know. It was...
0: Earlier this year, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah, um, I didn't... Or, or not this year, obviously. We're in January <laughs> uh, Early, I think it was around this time last, last year. year... That you, <clears throat> you started hearing about it through Jennifer.
1: My, yeah,
0: right. Um, and then, I want to say you actually, like, committed to it. As you started learning more about it, yeah. you started really sort of uh this was
1: the last thing i was going to dive diving into. into right
0: right right so how did i mean how was that experience for you because it seemed like for you know for a while like you had a path that one path didn't really work out um and then you got into nurse practitioning and this was good or whatever but then it was like all of a sudden you found this and it felt like this sort of light went on.
1: You ever feel like when heaven and earth collide and all of a sudden like your mind explodes, it's like I finally found my path and it's not like I just found it. Really what, um, Grant likes to say is that I'm just putting into practice as like a profession of what I like to do as like my own home life. I like to live holistically. I like to, you know, not use these brands that use all sort of petrols and just every type of toxic chemical possible. I've I've always lived like that. My mom brought me up like that. Um, but I never knew I could put that into practice. And we were just talking like Make
0: money doing
1: it. Right. Like, well right. Unfortunately, like what we were talking about today was how I wish that I had gone down the path and I was exposed to what it was like to be a naturopathic doctor early on. Hmm. But those schools were offered like um, I really wanted to go to uh, I think it's called Bastyr. They're out of Washington. And oh my gosh, the the program sounds just delightful. You get to spend some time in the herb garden and like really well,
0: Washington as a state has that vibe. You mean Washington state? Yes, right? yes, On yes. yes. Yeah, no, mean, yeah, that state. Uh, my mom and my sister and them lived up there for a long time, and yeah, that state, the PNW, has got that vibe. Uh, I wish. Uh, you know. <laughs> but you know
1: those those thoughts when you're young. Um, I, I would say I live a pretty protective life in the bubble of, you know, being around my family. I had horses. I never really felt like it was just accessible for me to just hop off and I'm going to go to school mm. in a different state. Um, like, even my first bachelor's program, like, we lived in New Jersey. I went to school in New Jersey. Right. I was able to see family.
0: So interesting, especially <coughs> considering how much you've traveled and seen, how much of the world you've seen. Right, but I've only seen it with traveling. family. Right, right, right. I've it's, never
1: lived on my own. Yeah. Um, At that point when I was exposed to it. Sure. so. Even though my best friend was really um, very interested in it, and she lived in Portland, um, or she does live in Portland. What's up, Tiffany? If you're listening to this,
0: <laughs> shout out to uh, what is it? The the gypsy? Uh, what's her her Instagram thing? Whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I know it's Vintage Daylight there for, uh, but uh, I think she's Gypsy Soul anyway. <laughs> so yeah. She introduced it to me, and she went into massage therapy, and I went on to do the physical therapy, and I just thought, like, you just make more money, it's more guaranteed. I lived in an area where, like, you were saying the vibe is, you know, on point in P&W. Those opportunities seemed more apt for that area. Where I grew up, you know, so many more holistic clinics were kind of look at, like, they're quacks. Mm. And so I didn't want Straight to get
0: charlatans. selling well, some snake oil and right. rub you with some crystals and heal your cancer. Like... Well, yes, of course. And <laughs> so that, that's not how it works. <laughs> I, I thought that's
1: how that uh, I, I would have gone into it immediately. But <laughs> with that being said, it's like, it just felt like I lived in that high tempo Northeast mentality. Everyone's a lawyer or a doctor and, mm. um, or at least that's how it was brought up. And, You just get the conventional job. You do the job. You have your life separate. I never really knew and thought more like along the lines of combining everything together.
0: I think that's more and more it seems that that's becoming how folks want to live. I know, uh, you know, obviously I've I've made a, a career in the military, but as that's sort of winding down and it's, I start thinking about the future it's like, well, now I have the opportunity to combine and not that i didn't love my time in the military it's been it's been good to me, but now I can combine more of what throughout the course of my life I've found that I have a passion for and i 'm good for and continue to want to do, and then try to pursue that as a way of also you know funding my lifestyle Sorry. right and so I think that Ooh. living holistically where it's like some of the trainings i've gone through um during my time as an equal opportunity advisor as well as a um, master resiliency trainer and those sorts of things uh they talk about creating like a work-life balance right where it's exactly to your point where that insinuates that your work is separate from your life
1: right right
0: but if we look at it we're at work more than we're home. For the people that work a normal nine-to-five or some people work 12 hours a day, five days a week, like the time that you're at home, your quote-unquote life is so much smaller than your work if you separate the two like that. You right. create this dividing delineation between work and life. I, I had this commander – in my last unit, that basically he called bullshit. Out. He's like, no, it's like it's not work-life balance. It's just life balance, and you right. have to balance all the things that you do, because those aren't separate yous. You might there, it might be that you act different at work than you act at home. In the sense of, I'm able to relax a little more at home, and maybe I have to be a little more, uh, watch my Ps and Qs a little bit more. Not to say that you're not still genuinely you, but it, it would be disingenuous to say how a person works acts at at work vice at home are the exact same unless you create that for yourself and you're able to find a way to live that holistic lifestyle whereby the thing that i love to do and that my purpose in life has also become the way in which i fund how i continue to exist how i keep the lights on i think having that as a as a A way of being is so important and more and more it seems like people are really striving for that.
1: I do think that, um, I mean, we have to go back to like me graduating my first bachelor's program. I mean, this was this predates like MySpace. You know, we didn't, we didn't have, I had a beeper in high school. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like phones were just starting to come out. We didn't have like the pocket computer.
0: Send in the codes. (laughs) One, four, three. (laughs) Love you.
1: Love you. (laughs) So it's just one of those things where like, I can't be mad at the evolution of my path because these opportunities didn't exist. And so to think like my fear was I didn't want to open up my own practice and fail because mm. I was terrified of a small business. You saw a lot of small businesses close. They went bankrupt. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't have any kind of business yeah. background, and so that worried me. Um, you know, you have that your brick-and-mortar shop. How do you advertise? What is it, a business... Um, like newsletter thing, um, or advertising the newspaper to get in your door. to even know, right? Right. And so nowadays, it's just so much easier. Everybody, there's social media. There's a lot more networking. It seems as though this is the age in which it's so much more accessible for small businesses to thrive and to thrive online. And so. I've been to well, That's the whole
0: gig, gig economy, right? Right. I don't mean to cut you off. But no, yeah, no, that's yeah. like how how a lot of people are making their money, especially, you know, with COVID with, times. With the pandemic going on and all of that. It was the, the gig economy was already well into swing, right? I mean we've got I'm
1: late on everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean if, if you look at it, it's like you look at the advent of Etsy, you look at the advent <clears throat> right. of uh Uber and Lyft and these sorts of things, Genius. Um, all of those, those came about because of the gig economy. People still had their day-to-day, Taxis nine-to-five, and- whatever. Like, hey, I wait tables at the local Chili's, but on the side, I make these ceramics. Or I drive an Uber at right, night right, to make right, the right. extra cash. Or I walk people's dogs. I mean, whatever it is. Like, that was... Well, I mean, that also has a lot to do with the economy and how expensive everything is. And depending on where you live in the in the country, it's more or less so. But people are struggling. So they had to figure out multiple income streams.
1: That's evolution.
0: Within the hours of the day. There's only 24. Right. You can't work three, <clears throat> three eight-hour-a-day jobs. you got to sleep sometime. <laughs> I sleep when I'm dead. I got it. But... <laughs>
1: Uh, I love sleep so much, so I have to <laughs> like, factor in, like, 10 hours and, like, how do right. I fill out the rest of my day? Well, it's so
0: important for your health anyway. Very right? much so. I need that more and more, and I'm like, Ugh, I get, like, four Oh, six. you
1: kill me with your sleep. I'm like, <laughs> it's 8 o'clock, the kids are down to bed, and it's my time, too, because you just got to... You're not guaranteed if you're not going to wake up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. with these kids, so yeah. I want to make sure I get it all in. But I'm like, I'll
0: be in bed at like midnight. <laughs> <now.">
1: <laughs> yes, but I've always needed a lot of sleep, and so it's just important to listen to your own body. Um,
0: so that's, I mean, that's kind of where the, the functional medicine comes in too, really listening to your body and really not getting back to the difference between the, the conventional medicine and yeah. functional medicine, functional health, I should <laughs> say. Um like being able to differentiate the fact that we all process things differently in our body and like this one sort of book answer hey you have this symptom or this it's this that, thing now it's that so, disease
1: and this is how we treat it through the standard manual right um and that's i i think that's what i love so much and the, the deeper i dig into functional medicine the more it just, like, makes me smile. I'm excited to study. Everything else was just, like, you know, I'm just cramming it down. Like, I get it. You know, it's all very important stuff. But, like, it didn't holistically vibe with how I lived at home. And it's so true because, like, Grant's a completely different body style – Than I am, Um, you know, his his mentation is different. His sleep cycle is different. Like, it's just bio-individuality is kind of what the underlying theme of functional medicine.
0: That's a great term, bio-individuality. I think that hits it, like...
1: On the head, right? Right on the
0: head, yeah.
1: And so it just inspired me because it's like, yes, this person might come in. And and I think what I love about it, too, is that... um, somebody might come in with a whole slew of symptoms and you might be like immediately like, yes, that is this symptom or this disease process. But then you start looking at their labs and you're like, I don't get it. This stuff doesn't link up. And so it's almost like a giant puzzle board and you have to put all the little pieces together. And I just feel like in conventional medicine, especially so like to, to backtrack, I'm not bashing um, conventional medicine at all we all need it, but it, falls under the acute care model, even in, um, you know, your urgent care, where you have like some weird ache, and you go in and you have like 10 seconds to speak to the doctor, and they have their productivity that they have to match the billing that they're able to use to diagnose you and then sends you off to your pharmacy to go pick up your meds and you go home and have there be, like, you know, something more serious go on that send you to the ED. So it's more like a triaging system. What is ED? I'm that? sorry. Emergency department. Oh, okay. I should – I acronyms thank you I know I, I
0: do I'm in the military we can speak paragraphs and acronyms right I get it but and so that's what, I mean and you know as a professional it's like right. this is just part of your lexicon whatever. right it's, so, it's I have to yeah. remember
1: and you say that to me all the time and vice versa I, I'm always like I don't know what that means right, right. <laughs> um but yeah it's just um um I love acute care, which is why I'm continuing to do the acute care nurse practitioner. I love knowing emergency medicine, trauma medicine, um, life-threatening diseases. There's a reason why we have hospitals, but I feel like care afterwards, there's a a gap. And I feel like functional medicine sort of fills that gap. If we had more um, people who are trained under that belt, we could take care of chronic Conditions much more aptly than just slapping a band-aid on it and covering up the symptoms right. or mildly uh, dealing with it with some medications. Um, so anyway, this you, whole
0: you put it you put it the other day um, where it was like, what did you say? It was something like acute care happens when like things go wrong, and functional medicine is the thing that prevents it or like is on the forefront. Um, it was something to that effect. I, f- I forget exactly how you put it, but it was basically like those two schools of thought acute practice or acute care mm-hmm. vice, functional medicine, functional health. It's like functional health tries to prevent as much as possible things going wrong, but acute mm-hmm. care is there for when things do go wrong,
1: yes. And I, I, like I said, there's a reason we need acute care and why I continue with it because I do. Love to know that side of things, but um, I also, like, I'm not at the point where I feel like I have a chronic condition or um, that I'm dealing with some sort of ailment, but I still like to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, Am I living the most healthy lifestyle as I'm digging into functional medicine? I probably uh, will and can use a little bit of a, a step in a better direction, but... It's. I love preventative medicine because there. It's. I guess medicine is probably the wrong word. It's really just a you know, lifestyle changes, mm. and to stave off. And what they what they always say in um, functional medicine is dis-ease, not disease, because acute care like you might have like, you know, a heart attack, but what led up to that point and could we. Have like stopped that in its tracks. Right. Um, So
0: you've got congenitive heart disease or you've got diabetes or you've got whatever it is. All risk
1: factors, you know. Right. And
0: And it's all the things that like, okay, so now there's this critical mass that happened and everything fell apart. But backtracking, where could we have stopped it? Right. What, What led to that? And then so therefore, once we get you stable and right going forward, how can we prevent this from happening again?
1: So it's really difficult because as I'm concurrently going through the two schoolings at the same time, I wouldn't say there's conflicting information, but there's a very like old school way about looking at things through the conventional medicine lens. And as we talk about the functional medicine lens, it's, it's not saying like, hey, well, your lab fell in within the normal range. And then functional medicine is like, hey, are you on the very brink of that end of that normal, high or low? And what is that telling us? And I think that's the thing that I love about preventative medicine is that it just really looks a little further at the little breadcrumb clues that led us to the point of now you have high cholesterol. Well, we could have seen that coming three years prior to that. Like now you're diabetic. Hmm. What could we have done before when you got all these fasting blood sugars and now it's like, well, if I look back at the trend, you were kind of creeping up, but you're still in the normal. And I think that's the the tough part is that we don't really know how to read labs ourselves. And so it's really up to the practitioner to look for these clues.
0: When you say we, we you mean like conventional medicine as a whole? No, or? I, I
1: mean you and I as like a patient. I got you. I, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you go to the doctors. They say, your labs were good. Moving on.
0: They're within these two these two parameters, right. this, this start point and this stop point. Yes. As long as you're within that, I'm not even gonna address it.
1: But it's looking at, so they get these numbers by looking at the average. But if your whole average of like, let's say United States is just 75% unhealthy, what are these ranges that we're looking at? Mm. And then so when somebody, you or I, we might have like within normal limits, but you and I are totally different. So what are these other clues that might be leading towards, like, I might have high cholesterol. Is it just my diet or do I have, like, a genetic disposition that leads that direction?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the part that – and so many people told me I needed to go through the uh, the FNP program, which is um, – what More, is it
0: family family, it's nurse, family pra- nurse practitioner okay.
1: what what led me originally away from that was i didn't want to take care of kids mm, um it's tough. i like yes it's it's like i that's the reason why you i never got after, into veterinary to look after
0: your own mental health with that choose your <laughs> path wisely
1: yeah i probably would leave crying all the time with just sick kids um so i didn't want to do family nurse practitioner program but the thing that really led me away from it was my experience. And I think a lot of us, that's what gets us into certain career paths. It's sure. like, I had this experience, just like you said, and then this is what led me to um, my future, right? So,
0: so what was the experience that led you away from FNP?
1: I would say just any time I either had like a, a health issue, like, you know, I don't know, I'm coming down with a fever, what's going on. They had 10 seconds to look at me. Did they really like listen to me? They were busy charting. And then I was out the door with some medication and like Mm. the, the fast track of that, like you need more time. There's no way on earth that if you come to me with some symptoms that like, I might be able to triage you and either send you to your cardiologist because you're having heart palpitations or whatever. There's a lot of like key big items. But when it comes to the small smoldering things that are happening with people, I feel like a lot of that's passed over. And that's really just a matter of like the conventional world. Like we're one, we're a very fast paced society that that's there's no doubt about that. But the other side of it is just we're working under, you know, healthcare. unfortunately, is a business and you have to look at it like the hospital. It's a well-paid business. Right. And they have to work on their, their their budgets. They have to work with Medicare, Medicaid, these big insurance yeah. companies. Um,
0: I think that's a great point. I think that's something that I know as you say it, like I've always known obviously that a hospital or whatever, a given doctor's private practice mm-hmm. is a business, but the way in which that affects how they provide care becomes the only thing that in, in the end unfortunately potentially matters right so it's like the the hospital has x amount of dollars they pay all of their employees whatever they pay them so that means we have to see a a given doctor has to see a patient every 10 minutes right right to make sure that production gets on yes and it is what it is and if you got to the patient and you called it right in 10 minutes awesome and if you didn't well you still got to get to the next patient and that's how it goes.
1: I guess that was also another reason why I personally didn't want to get into the functional or I'm um, sorry, the family uh, nurse practitioner program is because at least from what I saw. And again, this is just from like what I experienced right. and what changed my path for my career. But um most of the people that I either knew or talked to when I, especially even when I was a physical therapist, I used to talk to my PA friends, uh, which is a uh, physician assistant. I almost forgot to explain that. Um and they just said that they're overworked and they see so many patients, it's five days a week and then they have to stay later to do charting and
0: they're working like fourteen hours a day, It's a
1: grueling a it's a grueling job when you're working um some of these positions. So of course that's not everywhere, right? Um I can't generalize. I'm sure someone's gonna be listening to that and this and be like, that's, <laughs> that's not even my experience. Not you don't even know what you're talking bit. about, lady, like get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> But from what I mostly saw, it, it didn't, it didn't ring my bell, we'll put it that way. Mm. And so I wanted to go and, and my experience was always in the hospital, I was an acute care, physical therapist assistant. So I didn't work in the clinic, either. I always worked bedside. And so that was my world. That was my experience. I just thought like, this is where I belong. Um, plus I like wearing scrubs every day. Cause it makes me feel like I'm in my pajamas, but like you're still professional somehow. <laughs> <Nice>. Um,
0: <laughs> the, 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 you these are my business pajamas. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: They've got all the pockets. And so I just have crap everywhere. But, um, yeah, you know, and it wasn't until, like you said, this last year that, the little breadcrumb seeds were planting, you know, for me, where my friend talked me into looking at some schools for functional medicine and everything that was said about it from personal experiences to what I saw online. Um, it just got me excited that there's a possibility that I could actually treat patients the way I feel like they deserve to be treated. Mm. I'm not on someone else's timeline. I'm not under anyone else's budget. I'm working for myself and for this client. And that excites me. Um, I feel like there's a change, a small smoldering change in healthcare right now. And we're heading in that direction with a lot. I mean, when I was younger, I never heard that like health coaches were even a thing. Had I known, I probably would have... Told every person that I was discharging from the hospital, they should probably link up with a health coach just to, you know, manage their care thereafter. Mm-hmm. But you know, so it, it's all the the beginnings, but it's the beginnings of a, a big thing.
0: Right, right. So, what is it that can be sort of like taken away, or, or tell us about the, the 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 dream for the wellness collective?
1: Oh goodness, the dream for the wellness collective. I have so many dreams. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Um, In my head, in about five years, um, I'm in my little tiny home clinic, (laughs) Um, but I really, I want to get into virtual um, telehealth. I think there's a huge uh, undertaking when it comes to doing telehealth, but I think it gives accessibility to so many more people. That was also another Mm. thing that I loved about being a nurse practitioner Is that, and over being a a physician assistant, is that we have the ability to, under like uh, the Rural Care Act, to run our. What's that? Well, I mean, I don't even know like the year and exactly the word. But just generally what is. Basically, like you could run your own practice as if, like, okay, so think about the most, think about like URA, like years ago, and like no doctor might be able to get into the mountain pass and treat Mm -hmm. these patients. And so. A lot of times, nurse practitioners would take over a clinic and they run it.
0: Okay. Ure, Colorado is a wonderful little pocket town that is a bunch of skis, high mountains, but there's only one path in and out. So during the winter, the road closes and it's like- You're stuck there. We we actually, we traveled there and there were signs everywhere (laughs) that were like, hey, the storm's coming, make sure you're prepared. And it was basically reminding all the residents like, hey- Get the get the meat and the extra freezers you got, and, and make sure you have enough propane, and make sure you have the generator and it runs, and all of that, because the storm's gonna come, and the pass is gonna close, and you might not be able to get out for whatever. Make sure you have a first aid kit or five, <laughs> right? That sort of thing. So, so the the Cares Act is that not a the Rural Cares Rural Act? Rule Care Act yeah. is what allowed allows what a nurse practitioner to have. I mean, this was like back in the day.
1: Yeah. I mean, nowadays we, depending on which state you're in, um, like Colorado has a lot of, uh, uh, backing for nurse practitioners to practice privately on their own without being underneath a doctor. But there's places like, um, like I think it's like North Carolina, a lot of the, like the Southeast States. Yeah. I, I think even California, to be honest, um, in Texas, in some of the northeast states, like they, um, they have to practice underneath a doctor, and or like a doctor has to sign off on their paperwork. Um, Interesting. But I love Colorado, and I love the accessibility to be able to, um, you know, work for myself. Right. And I guess I never thought that that was a possibility until I started. Diving into functional medicine, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, I can't just like do acute care on my, on the side. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm just gonna like <laughs> make sure I stop at every you know car wreck or something. Like, yeah, hey, I'm yeah. here. I'm the mobile NP. Like
0: <laughs> the mobile NP. Maybe you should. Maybe that should be your new uh, your new name. Should I? Should your I go, business name? Sheriff Fairman, mobile NP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go to the Shark Tank with my uh, my idea. <laughs>
0: It'll be like the uh, have like a, like a, like a Ghostbusters van, like... but like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are the items that you need in your rollout? Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm running down a tangent. You asked me specifically something.
0: Uh, the the dream for the wellness thing. This oh. is how this goes. I know. I so know. Those are, those that are listening <laughs> that have listened to some of my stuff before, it's all just unscripted. Consciousness streaming when I do the solo cast or just trying to have a conversation that is genuine. And so that way it's not like some – and clearly this is not overproduced. (laughs) Not scripted. um, Not scripted either. But definitely like just trying to have a genuine conversation, the long-form conversation to give a more honest view of – a more honest and nuanced view of like what it is – that the, the topic is about and what, what it is that we feel about it and where also, you know, about a given topic, like how can we get to the truths that we know and ensure that the truths that we know um, are are based in reality because one of the things that happens and one of the things that, um, you know, I've talked about before where it's like we have confirmation biases, we have yes. negative biases, we have all of these sorts of things, Um, our values attitudes beliefs our socialization all of this stuff that goes into making a person who they uniquely are what that also means is that what they find to be true may not actually be true but if they're married to that and there's no exploration in a nuanced way and there's no um sort of pushing back on what is presented as truth then how could we ever actually know and how do we know that we aren't just lying to ourselves about whatever? And that necessarily doesn't point to this conversation, although it's still nuanced, it's still getting after the differences as we've been talking about between conventional and functional medicine and the way that while conventional medicine absolutely has its place, you're not going to replace the OR, you're not going to replace acute care. You're not going to replace the oncologist. You, you, like that's not a thing. You need those people and other specialists, the neurologists, the whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those people provide a service and have a level of expertise that is 100% necessary. Mm-hmm. That being said, it sounds like when it comes to functional medicine, there's a lot that can be done that isn't done in conventional medicine to either prevent the catastrophe that happened that sent them to the ICU, or to get ahead of the curve and stave off whatever the life choices that are being made and to get away from just over medicating, right? So you yeah. have this condition, you have this processes that's going on. The book answer says you you prescribe this medication. Well, maybe that medication has As its we, own problem. has its own problems, its right own symptoms, so, yeah like
1: polypharmacy is a, a thing. Right. It is or a thing. What,
0: what did you say the bio-individualism. Yes, That's a fantastic term. I think that captures it, like nails it, right? Where it's if I take a given thing, so for instance, uh, Patrick, my good friend Patrick, he his body doesn't react to things like percocet. Mm-hmm. And doesn't react to other painkillers. And whereas somebody else, like they might take a percocet oh, and just be. It'll schnocker
1: me. I actually had to not take any percocets and just uh, um, Tylenol, extra stained Tylenol after my surgeries because right. like it just schnockered me. I didn't feel right.
0: Right. But so this is what I'm saying when it's when the conversations that we've had and through this conversation as well, where it's like that bio individualism, if you don't look at it and it sounds like. A lot of conventional medicine doesn't look at that. They, The doctor, their PA, or whoever, or the nurse practitioner will just prescribe this, this medication. You had this happen, this medication, good luck. Whereas functional health tries, and it sounds like tries to sort of like take all of those labs, take all of the other things that you have going on and create more of a pathway that, holistically treats the person instead of Mm -hmm. treating symptom by symptom by process by process can we look at all of this at once and see what's really going on
1: it's a snapshot and it's it's tough and again I think a lot of this has um, evolved into functional medicine and people being interested in holistic care um, because there's just not enough time for the medical professionals to, so you know, you might walk in, you're like, I have this symptom. They're like, okay, well, generally for like 85% of the population, this works. So let's start with that mm-hmm. and go from there. And, um, but what about the, the other 15%? So it's just, and that's just a, a random.
0: Sure. No, no, no. I mean, it's just an example.
1: Right. But it's just, um, I don't know what it is about functional medicine. But we take into lifestyle, like, and stress is a huge thing. And we live a very stressful life. So how much does stress affect the body? And what if we just eliminated that with maybe 15 minutes of stretching meditation every morning? What if that was part of our prescription? Wouldn't most of us just be like, what?
0: Right. Um, If a doctor came at me and was like, hey, it looks like, you know, you've got all this whatever. You've got high blood pressure and you've got this instead of giving me... Blood pressure medicine was like. What I want you to do is just take five minutes every morning and meditate. <laughs> Set and just, my intention. Just right, right. <laughs> just, just sit with yourself, calm, center. Uh, it would be like, uh, what? That's. I still got high blood pressure. What about that?
1: Right, <laughs> and I think that's also another thing is that it's tough because we're so programmed to have instant gratification. And so if it's just and also in our busy lifestyles, how much is easier is it for us to just pop a pill mm. instead of taking the 15 minutes to meditate in the morning. And so with that, we've just been trained incorrectly, I believe. Um and it's just a mind shift of changing the way we look at things and right. how to manage our own lifestyles. I mean, you say like what do you what do you see with our future in functional medicine. I want to be doing telehealth, like on the beaches with my feet dug in the sand, listening to the ocean waves. Um, you know, because goodness isn't that relaxing, right? Right. Right. <laughs> I should be living that lifestyle, yeah. right? But it's um, it's taking into consideration the entire person, and that's what I love about functional medicine. Not that conventional medicine doesn't take into consideration, but we have so many specialties in every organ is separated by a different specialist and not to say that like a jack-of-all trades is like the best thing because right you know like a lot about right a million different things you're, but, the, like,
0: uh, you're the 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 lake placid right you're an, an inch deep in a mile wide so <laughs> I've never really, heard that yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what it is so you're you're an inch deep in a mile wide meaning you know very little about a whole lot of things but you don't know a lot about any of them And so once you get past that, you know, very sort of of surface level information about a given topic, whatever it is, in this case medicine, yeah, hey, I know there's like, there's some inflammation there, but that's all I know. And I know that this, (laughs) if I give you naproxen or I give you whatever, it'll take down the, or naproxen or whatever it is, (laughs) it'll take down the information. Information, But okay, that's cool, but what caused the inflammation in the first place? What is it that is going on in my body or what I'm putting in my body or the way my body doesn't absorb or doesn't process whatever that causes it to react in this way in the first place instead of now I just have to take this pill for the rest of my life?
1: Right. I, I uh, recently just finished – well, I guess I partially finished um, – a webinar from Dr. Hyman called like the longevity. I don't I don't even know the end of it. But all I know is that he said it best when he said, treat the system, not the symptom. Hmm. And functional medicine, if you were to put it into like words, is going after the root cause, going upstream and downstream from the symptom and discovering what is causing it. But also what did that do to the rest of your body? Mm. Beyond that. So down. It doesn't just stop it. Right. Wherever the
0: problem is is identified, it doesn't stop there. That's gonna cause other mm. comorbidities, other other issues throughout the rest of it. No, that's that's a great way of putting it.
1: So with that, it's it's a lot to take in through functional medicine. But with my other medical training and as learning from Uh, Georgetown through my nurse practitioner program it's almost like an adjunct it's it's putting it's filling in those pieces that was otherwise missing and now I'm getting a clear full picture so for me personally I feel like I am ready to be that practitioner to be able to take on clients and look at the full holistic view um while I feel like I've I wouldn't say pigeonholed, but I've really always worked into surgery and mostly cardiovascular. But isn't that a huge part of so much? I mean, Um, your heart is everything, right? right? Your heart and your
0: brain. In the end, I feel like
1: those are the organs.
0: Those are the two. Well, I mean, your lungs. All right. Okay. You you have to pump the blood. (laughs) You got to get oxygen and you got to, you got to actually be aware and be, (laughs) I feel like, you know, Hey, say what you want about, you know, the debate, the great debate of God and souls and blah, blah, blah. It's like, if your brain doesn't work are you really alive are you really a person like yeah the heart's still beating and the lungs are still pumping but you're not really there are you so like those big three but you know i mean people can still exist without at least one lung yes people have you know stints put in their heart and these sorts of things but i feel like
1: we're the frankensteins right like
0: you could i feel like the rest of it it's like you know your bladder and even your intestines and your stuff. Oh, I feel like cut out
1: feet of your intestines. Can, right. Like
0: I've, you can cut off like the lower half of your body and still be like a person.
1: You could still be alive. <laughs> there might be little issues and go see your well, functional saying, medicine yeah, practitioner. I'm not saying going to be comfortable. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, but to, to go back to the, the five year plan and really where we're, we're headed is, I mean, I started this, this path prior to grant, um, but it's been an inspiration. What? We call that BG. What's that? Before Grant. Oh, before Grant. <laughs> I mean, well, I started the nurse practitioner program with you, but um, certainly the functional medicine started. And then I think that inspired you because you're on the brink of retiring out of the military. Yep. And then, you know, that's a, a tough transition for a lot of people. And we've talked... And talked and talked and talked about, you know, all the different avenues that we can go down. And really what Grant, I would say, is mostly uh, concentrated on is, like, lifestyle, uh, you know, overall happiness and where we're going to go as, like, a family. I think we thought mostly selfishly without our kids. But now we have to think you know, the five of us and what we're going to do. And if anybody is wondering, that's where Five Peaks comes from. Uh, we are the family of five. So it's it's sort of like a, a movement to, you know, take advantage of the one life that we have. So how can mm-hmm. we work and make money, but also do something that we're, we're super passionate about and just love, and it doesn't become... A difference between work and then this is my small amount of family time right. it's like how can we put it all together
0: right and that and that goes back to the life balance yes or just living holistically and i think that there's this big misconception out there that that's not possible right it's absolutely possible just like anything you just have to put the work in it doesn't mean it's easy and even like so you mentioned earlier that you know, you, there was fear of starting your own business, and fear's a motherfucker, right? Fear will <laughs> will kick you right in the junk, and then laugh <laughs> in your face while you're crying, right? But and you mentioned that nowadays it's a lot easier to have a small business, and we talked about the gig economy and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. None of it's easy. It's, it's there's a <clears throat> there's a there's a saying out there that's simple, not easy. Right, like it's so simple to do some Instagram posts, build a following. If you're that kind of person to buy the, the followers or spend the spend the the moment, snap the shot, make the post, get get your friends to repost it, do all that. Like that concept is simple, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily easy. Um, whereas, like it still takes time and it still sure. takes time out of the day and time away and anytime you're trying to build something there's still going to be more
1: there's compromises right
0: there's compromises there's work to be done there's late nights there's early mornings there's failure there's success there's the gamut and roller coaster of emotion that happens and so none of that is easy. It's not like it's just served up on a platter and all you have to do is... <laughs> that you know, be nice? Take a bite or push the button or whatever. Yeah, it, it would be. <laughs> but it also wouldn't mean as much.
1: No, I was... The second that came out of my mouth, right. I was like, well, you know what? Then I would... I wouldn't take it. I would just take it for granted.
0: Right. You don't appreciate it. Right. right. If it's not hard, there's something about struggling to get the goal, to achieve the goal that makes it so much more worth it in the end, to make... To when you have to struggle, it ascribes meaning because now it means that you had to sacrifice whatever mm-hmm. it was time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, money, whatever it is. There was struggle there, there was sacrifice there. And so now that ascribes meaning to it in the sense of I have buy in, I have buy in, right. and I, and I, I have an attachment to this thing that goes beyond just the thing itself or or even necessarily what it provides. There's an intangible there that comes from the struggle that I think makes life more full, right? It gives more meaning, more purpose. Um, And then also like if that thing and that goal that you achieve in the end is also not just self-serving but in service to others. So for instance, a wellness collective that – well, yes, it provides us or will provide us, you know, the way in which we support our lifestyle and, and, you know, the way we keep the lights on and all that sort of thing. But in the end, it's also still in service to others and it's still providing what you've seen through certainly your experience, both on the conventional medicine side and now as you enter into functional health, um, provides a way in which... You can address the failings of the conventional system to more holistically help people thrive and live life. Um, and as I exit the military and the lessons I've learned of resilience and leadership and mentorship and what it takes to be successful and what it takes to face fears and live, you know courageously and, and helping people to do that so that they can go achieve their own goals in life and they can live, in a way that makes them feel more self-actualized that's still in service to those other people. And that provides me with that good vibes and that good feeling of I'm still helping others. Right. And that provides purpose of I'm not just sitting here collecting money, <laughs> but I'm actually leaving a legacy and leaving a mark. And we as a, as a team and as a family unit, and once you know we get the, the Five Peaks Wellness Collective in full swing – that then leaves a mark and a legacy there that that is a positive impact on the world.
1: I think you and I, um, while I feel like uh, many people would be like, I would never work with my husband or my wife, like, I just need that separation. I'm actually really excited because, I mean, that's why we got together, right? We have very similar goals in life, but we're also two totally different people and come from opposite ends of the spectrum. And then the melding of the two, I feel like, makes this wellness collective a complete wholesome picture. Um, You have a lot of resiliency training. Um, You're just a great inspirational leader in general. I mean, I've heard just nonstop talk from a lot of your friends who wouldn't otherwise just tell me. But... um, in just general conversation, they're like, oh, my gosh, Grant got me through this, or he really helped me with this, or he, you see things very objectively, um, and you don't get suckered into just like, you're my friend, so I need to just be the yes man and tell you the things. Um, and so I think with all that experience, that really, like, leads well into what you're about to get into, and then the combined efforts between the two of us. And so you said thrive, and I love that word. Um, And I I love that functional medicine leads towards like helping people truly thrive, but also like leading their most optimal life. It's not just an okay life. I'm okay. I'm fine. It's like, how can you live at your prime? Hmm. And, you know, you're not going to put just water into your gas tank. Your car, I'm not really sure. I'm not really great on on car <laughs> <laughs> uh, analogies, but like, I'm not sure if it would actually run. But I mean,
0: <laughs> it would not.
1: But that's that's kind of how what we're most of us do. We we put a lot of water into the gas tank instead mm. of like the true gasoline that we we need to live. And so between the two of us, that's my five year plan uh, to create this wellness collective and help people thrive. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Well, I. I, I thank you for your time. I thank think we're going to leave it right there. Uh, hopefully, we uh, the plan, as it stands, is to do this uh, maybe once a month yeah. or once, once every time we feel the need. <laughs> Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> we actually uh, tend to have these conversations, and at the very end, we say, dang, we should have made that into a podcast.
0: Should, should have recorded we it.
1: Had ph- we had some phenomenal conversations, <laughs> right. but... We would like to do this once a month at a minimum.
0: Yeah. And this is the first. And so first of of many uh, many conversations regarding how to live a better life. and Both from a uh, mentation aspect that maybe I come from. As well as the uh, actual health and medicinal aspect that, that you bring to the table as yeah. well. And I think between those two, right? If you can actually have a healthy body because you know what's going on with it. And, you know, some things to look for or how your body may be processing things differently, as well as from the other side of how can I deal with hardships from a perspective standpoint? How can I give a, have a, a better mindset into difficulties that I'm dealing with life that then makes for a whole person and makes for a holistic life? So awesome.
1: We're, we're air high-fiving right now. Air
0: high-fiving. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate the listen. Please, uh, once again, share this, right? There's there's a lot of value here, and I would very much appreciate you sharing this with your friends uh, if you find value in it and, and know some people that would also well, like to hear what we have to say. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves and be well. Thanks for listening, everybody. You know, if you find value in this podcast and find value in the topics that we discuss and some of the insight that we bring to the table and the viewpoints and the stances that we bring to the table, I ask that you hit the subscribe button, you know, support the show, hit us up on on Instagram. We've got at Five Peaks Podcast. We've got an Instagram page out there and share it with your friends right let your friends know let your family know let your co-workers know that you know you found a great you found a great podcast that you find value in and you think they will too i really appreciate that support i appreciate the listen and i appreciate all of you take care and be well